The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, equal housing lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Companies are always on the lookout for new talent, and sometimes that means recruiting employees away from competitors. And we're seeing that happen right now in the mortgage industry. But what happens when that goes too far and some companies are left with nothing? I'm Mike Savino, head of the multi, head of multimedia with the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Deb Killian. She's currently the Director of Mortgage Education and Training for Close Online. Deb, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Deb also used to run Charter Oak Lending, which is why we're talking with her today about this issue of coaching, recruiting, rating, however you want to term it, I guess, depends on which side of the argument you are. Deb, why don't you tell us a little bit about your situation and why you were sort of on the side where you look at it more as as poaching or rating? Um, Okay, so this was back in 2004. So it was a while ago, but we did end up in nine years of litigation over it. Basically, another large publicly traded company um, came in and instead of asking us if we wanted to sell the company, decided that they would just take it. And what they did was they encouraged and incented to the tune of about $278,000, 10 of my employees, my top nine producing agent uh, uh, originators and one processor, and paid them. Um, and encourage them to hand over customer lists, files that were in process. We proved everything that we had. We had emails. We had phone records of all this communications that went on. Um, and it, quite honestly, it all started at a conference. So the people that I paid to bring my employees to at a conference ended up being involved in the poaching of my, those very same people. Wow. Um, and and we see, in, you know, this is playing out again in the industry with cross country guild, Loan Depot suing each other over over similar actions. And, and in some of those lawsuits, they detail some of the covenants that were in place to keep keep company secrets, company property, you know, loan loan um, loan activity with the company. Was, was did you have those in place at in two thousand four, or was this something you really hadn't thought about because it hadn't been happening yet? No, we actually had an employee handbook that was updated and reviewed at an annual meeting every year. And one of the one of the simplest paragraphs, although there were multiple ones in our company handbook, basically said that all information is owned by the company and is not I'm paraphrasing and is not to be shared with anyone outside of the company for any reason whatsoever. Seems pretty straightforward. Seems that way. Seems that way. And yet clearly yeah. we see we see an effort to not only get those employees, but the data that, that can come with them. What what ultimately happened with with your company with Charter Oak Lending? So we filed a lawsuit against the employees and the company. The company's no longer in business, by the way. We ended up surviving them. <laughs> but anyway, um, we lost the first trial. 
I think that the judges were switched out at the last minute, like literally the day before we had this one judge involved. And then all of a sudden there was another judge involved. So there, there's a lot of lessons, I think, in, in this story. Um, we lost the first trial. We believed we were right. We filed an appeal. We won the appeal. The appellate court said, no, no, no. The, the lower court erred. We went and remanded us back for a second trial. We went back for a second trial and we lost that trial based on a, a bunch of what we felt to be irrelevant findings or irrelevant decisions, basically, from what they gleaned out of the case. So we had three different judges. Actually, in the appellate court, you've got, I think, three or four judges. Um, and then the two judges from the lower courts. And I mean, there, there's a lot of things that we learned from this that I'd be happy to share. Um, but I would just say in general, the biggest problem that I see in the industry is that, you know, salespeople are coveted, right? And, and everybody wants to protect their salespeople and, and so forth. And there, there's a, and I've said this for years, there's an insecurity on the part of business owners, mortgage lenders and brokers and banks, whoever, um, that they have to tiptoe around their salespeople because, you know, if they don't do that, then they're going to lose the people, right? And that the salespeople tend to drive the, 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 the horse. In a lot of cases, those salespeople believe they own that data. They think they own the data. And I don't think there's enough discussion really about what trade secrets are. This was a, a case of theft and misappropriation of trade secrets. And I don't think, generally speaking, if you ask most loan originators, they would say that a customer list is not a trade secret when in fact it is. And to give you an example, um, when we look at trade secrets, we look at, okay, what degree do we go to to protect the secrecy of that list, right? Well, if it's on an as as uh, need to know basis, not everybody has access to it. It's protected with all kinds of security features and so forth. But the question is, it's the compilation of the list. And when we went through our depositions and discovery, what we found in asking the defendant competitor for their lists of cu customers that came from our employees, there was a 99.3% match in the exact lists, right? That unique compilation could never have been acquired anywhere else. So the, the defense said, well, you know, this is all public record, right? Every real estate transactions. Well, you'd have to go to every single town hall in every state of every town that we did a loan in to compile that list, which would be virtually impossible, right? You wouldn't know where, what volume, what book, whatever. And so it's that compilation of a unique list of people. In addition to that, our employees took credit scores, social security numbers, they did spreadsheets, handed it over to another company, they accepted it, they input it into their computer system, and then started directly marketing to those people. And of course, those are things that are not public record, uh, social security and credit scores and whatnot. That's correct. Um, so, I mean, you obviously touched on some of the problems here. And, and, you know, even though you outlasted your competitor, you had this long, lengthy legal process where even though you feel like you're right, you had some rulings that went against you anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I'm guessing you would tell these companies, that, you know, mortgage companies today and, and the mortgage industry as a whole that like, this is this is something they should take seriously. Obviously, you you like it when you're on the end of of getting employees and getting the data. 
But for an industry, you would suggest that this is a problem, right? Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. OriginatorConnect.com. Absolutely. When you're recruiting, anybody that's recruiting out there should never be asking a prospective employee employee, um, for their customer lists, which this company did, asking them what loans do they have in file? Would they like to move the loans? We have emails of all of this communication. So there's no question that it was done. The problem is, is people say, oh, well, it happens all the time. Well, no, it shouldn't happen all the time. And both parties are wrong. I mean, the employee giving away the data is wrong. The employer accepting the data is violating all kinds of rules. And I I don't think that's an acceptable response. Well, it's done all the time. They basically put us out of business. For all intents and purposes, I went from having three offices, 22 originators, six processors, three managers, down to ultimately what happened was one office with a few people left. And those people ended up leaving because the company basically folded, right? We've been able to stay in business because I stayed as a sole proprietor and kept originating and I kept doing my thing. But um but we learned a ton. And one of the things I would say is if you're going to file a lawsuit against an, uh, somebody for doing this, do it in federal court because the federal courts seem to treat things a little bit more expeditiously and more seriously. The state courts take forever. We also did, uh, Mike, just for the record, we did file a complaint with the Connecticut state attorney general, who at the time was Senator Blumenthal. And He filed a corporate rating case against the company. We went to the FBI. The FBI said, oh, there's nothing they could do. I think the other problem in the industry and the police, we got the police involved. Um, I think the other thing people need to realize is it's very hard when you're going through a situation like this to quantify the loss, right? As far as the courts know, it's not like they walked into my office and stole six computers, right? That's a hard asset, The courts have a hard time valuing the value of a loan file. And even though we showed them the revenue stream derived from the loan file, the police couldn't quite get their arms around it. We did end up getting, I think it was a larceny charge because we were, (laughs) this is kind of funny. The defense made a claim that it would cost thousands of dollars if they had to produce copies and that that was the cost of the copies. And they hit the $1,000 larceny charge. I, th- I think that's correct at the time. And so they actually set the fact that they did have at least $1,000 worth of value in, this, in the copies of the information. For the so the police, paper, not the, not yeah, the paper. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, there's just uh, I'm, I'm in the process right now of writing um, a course on this because I think it's a huge problem, not just for the mortgage business, but any business that has salespeople, customer lists, um, product or services that are in production. Um, you know, and, and my goal is to ultimately write a book and the book's going to be called just because you're right doesn't mean you'll win. So we were able to prove a lot of things. The courts have not caught up with, in my opinion, the court system has not caught up with white collar crime. They don't know how to understand the value of when something like this happens, yet it could put and has put companies out of business. 
And so what, you know, what is this? Obviously you're doing a course on this. What is, what would your advice be? What this, what's the solution? I mean, at the, at the simplest term, it's, Hey, don't, don't do this. Don't break the rules. Don't break the law, but yet it happens. And, and you're even teaching a course. So what kind of advice would you give? I think the biggest takeaway here is your employees need to understand that they do not own that data. That's number one. And I don't care. Then we get into the whole 1099 versus W-2 and are they self-employed and independent contract? I don't care. You're a sponsored employer, sponsoring employer, and an employee, however they're paid, doesn't matter, is employed by that sponsoring entity. That data is not owned by the employee. So number one is there should be a clear communication and proof of communication that the employees were told that. And then what was done in terms of security? How did they enforce the fact that this is private data? It is a trade secret and it should not be shared. It's kind of it in a nutshell, although there's you know 15 other topics that go really around this whole case. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that you can tell people to knock it off, but yet it's probably, you know, some of the solutions might be a little bit more nuanced than that in terms of getting the industry to actually agree to, to some terms here. Uh, Deb, thanks so much for taking your time. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate it. We'll have the rest of your headlines right after this word. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. Here's your headlines for today, June 22nd. Mortgage applications rebounded last week, increasing by 4.2% from the prior week. The jump was driven by purchase loans as refis dropped again and are now down 77% from last year. Even with rising prices and rates, home buying may still be cheaper. According to Realtor.com, studio apartment rentals rose by 17%, and prices for one- and two-bedroom units are up by roughly 15%. And finally, Notarize, the Boston-based company that offered the first entirely online real estate closing process, announced the layoffs of its staff last week. In a Twitter thread posted on June 15th, CEO Pat Kinzel wrote that Notarize will let go of approximately 25% of our team today. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.